leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity, where we talk to cybersecurity leaders about their journey into cybersecurity. Today, we have Matt Winkler, who will be talking about his journey into cybersecurity and cybersecurity leadership. Matt, do you want to give us a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, thank you. My name is Matt Winkler. I'm currently a B-show at Equifax for the Equifax Workforce Solutions business. Everybody knows Equifax for the credit side of the business in Atlanta, Georgia, but we also have a business unit here in St. Louis, Missouri, where we deal with a lot of payroll data. So whereas the credit side is more like lending, we're more payroll over here in St. Louis. And so my role, business information security officer at Equifax. So helping this business unit here in St. Louis work through SDLC type things, work with the business on security risk. How do they manage compliance and essentially be uh, an advisor and liaison to our shared services back in Atlanta. So for those that might not know the difference between a BSO and a CISO, do you want to give them a highlight as to how they're different? Yeah, absolutely. I think CISO traditionally has that overall responsibility for the security program, strategic direction type situation. Whereas a BSO, we are part of the CISO's organization, but typically have those like dotted lines to multiple folks. So direct line up through the CISO, but dotted line up through our business unit leadership. And so while we are not responsible for the overall strategic direction of the security program, we are tasked with assisting our business unit with all things security. So we get to wear lots of hats. I think it's fun for me because I get to have a discussion about the specifics of the log4j vulnerability and how it works and the specific countermeasures and compensating controls that we might have in one meeting and take off that hat and put on my business hat a moment later and go talk about with our business leaders and what can we do and then you know, take off that hat and put the technology hat on and go talk to our CTO. What are you working on and how can we help improve the security process to make sure that your development teams are working more efficiently and faster and deliver those products faster and act more quickly. And so it's a lot of like hat changing, but that's fun for me. That does sound fun. 
So back to your career growth, why did you decide to become a cybersecurity leader versus staying an individual contributor? Yeah, I think the first thing is I want to make a distinction just a little bit between leader and manager. I think my, my message to everyone would be everyone and anyone can be a leader regardless of their place in the org chart. But how did I become a people leader or people manager was my happenstance. I joined Equifax as a BFO and learned that I would be, not all BFOs are people managers. So it varies per organization. And I found out that, that I would, the why, to your point, the why is it important? I think I really enjoy it because I get to help people. I get to have a greater impact on the team and the organization, we're stronger as a team than we are alone. And so that's what makes it exciting and enjoyable for me. What are the skills that are necessary to become a cybersecurity leader? I think it's going to vary wherever you're at in part of or security you're going to go into, whether you are in cyber or are frequently forgotten physical security friends, or maybe you've got a BSO organization or what have you. But I think the commonalities that have been really helpful for me are communication and curiosity. So I think communication, first and foremost, there are different languages around the organization. Some of those are based on personalities. So whether you subscribe to something like Myers-Briggs or Insight Discovery or what have you, individuals have their own personalities and communicating with them is important to understand. Are they more of a driver? Hey, they want to know what, what are we doing? What's the task? It's fast. It, I want date. Are they more of a details person? Are they more about how does that impact the people and the all of those things are important in understanding not just what you're saying, but how is that being received? But then there's also languages based on different roles, department, finance doesn't the same language as security, for example, sales teams, whatever. I think learning to speak those other languages, you don't have to be an expert, but learning to speak those other languages and be able to carry on conversation and call it translate because it really is because it's another language, Like, can you translate in your head is important. And then curiosity, part of that's learning and part of that's just not jumping to conclusion. I think as security professionals, a lot of us focus on the technical and the details, which is great because we're always trying to uncover what, what's going on, dig a little bit deeper. It may look like. X, Y, Z on the surface, but if I dig a little bit deeper, it looks a little bit different, but if, whether you're going deep and becoming a subject matter expert, or you're going wide and becoming that Swiss army knife of a tool, I can do a bunch of different things. You know, having that curiosity has really benefited me over my career. You jumped ahead on one of the skills that I like to dive into, and that, that that's communication. How do you rate your comfort level with communication on a scale of one to five and one? I think I have still plenty to learn. So I would absolutely not rate myself a five, but I think the communication that I do have, 
I've gotten reasonably positive feedback. So I'll, I, maybe I'll sandbag a little bit and say a three, just, and, and that's specific to my role, right? And where I'm at. I think people don't expect me to communicate like our CISO, Jamil, but they also don't expect me to communicate one of our folks that just joined us out of school. They're, but I'm very comfortable with it. It's something that I enjoy, you know, like I said, with my role, translating between finance and sales and business and tech and security and all of those. There are times where you're speaking to a broad audience or you're speaking to other leaders that do not have the same perspective as you with it. Take effort to think through what's their perspective? What are they, what's their top priority right now? Does it match what I'm talking to them about? Because if it doesn't, probably falling on deaf ears. So taking the time to step a little silly, but I go back to that high school English and think about you're writing a paper, like who is your audience? But it's those, like we talk about insecurity a lot, focus on the basics, right? If you can get set management right, then you can build from there. If you go back to that, like, who is your audience? And what do they care about when you're communicating? It, it's going to make your communication much more effective. The next one is delegation. How do you rate yourself on a scale of one to five with delegation and why? Similarly, I'm going to throw myself in there at three harder than others. I'm become more comfortable asking for help. Can't do it alone. And that's one of the things that you is easy to easier to do when you're an individual contributor that, you know, when you make the jump to manager can become difficult because you're responsible for so much more and you're used to doing it all yourself. And now you've got to rely on other folks for your provider assistance and to help you get the job done. But I think some of the things that I have learned is going back to that communication, expectations up front, what does good look like here? Because we have different ways to get there, right? You are going to approach a problem different than I would, but if you can clearly outline, hey, here's what good looks like. Here's what the end product we're shooting for. Here's the timeline that we're thinking. How do you follow up? If you focus on those, it, those are the building blocks to good delegation to the point where eventually you can like fire and forget, right? I can say, Hey, Chris, can you help me with XYZ project? And you're like, yep, got it. Because we've gotten that. Here's what good look like. Here's what the cadence looks like. And we're off to the races. Maybe in tandem with delegation, there's collaboration. How do you rate yourself on collaboration? I like to think that I'm pretty decent with collaboration. I'll go in at a three there as well. I think part of the collaboration I think I'm pretty good at is trying to make sure that the right folks are in the room that I need help with. So it, I've gotten really good at navigating the org chart and knowing who to bring in and by necessity in my role as a PSO, it's usually a uh, very cross-functional team, not guff security folks, but doing all those things, but how to engage the right, the right level of individual. Do I need somebody that's down in the weeds or do I need a leader that can help me influence or get something done or can help make sure that's a priority for the team? 
I think one of the things that I'm trying to work on is trying to make sure that those who may not be essential to the getting things done, but are relevant stakeholders, have an, an interest in whatever we're working on, making sure to include those. Like that, it's something that I'm trying to make a conscious effort for these days where it's, do we have folks who they might not, if you think back to Racy, they may not be responsible or accountable, but maybe they should be consulted or informed. Are we including those? And then just from a diversity perspective, are we bringing along our underrepresented group? Am I including some of those? Am I including our younger team members to make sure that they get exposure to this type of thing? Thinking about those is top of mind for me at the moment, something I'm trying to work on. And earlier you mentioned that as a BSO, you have to work across a large set of different types of businesses. I how does in, how does the skill of influence play into being able to work with those different lines of business? Then why is it such a critical skill? Yeah, it's absolutely essential. Everybody has a boss, right? Like nobody, nobody completely independent. And even if you say, ah, I run my own business, your boss is ultimately whoever's consuming whatever product or service or whatever you're producing. So I think it's essential and it's essential for working up you know, across, but also down with your team. I think that's the thing that it's really easy as a new manager to think, all right, great. I can manage by direction or that command and control style. And that's a tool to have in your belt when you need it. But if you don't get the buy-in from your team on your direction or the projects that you're working on or the way that you do things, you're going to end up just mismatched and false starts and button heads and getting frustrated and you'll lose the confidence of your team. It's absolutely essential. We forgot regularly go to the, oh, I need to influence my technology team because they need to their systems regularly, or they need to follow our SDLC process, whatever the case may be. And those things are essential too, but can't manage through direction or that command and control. I have to figure out how can I influence you directly and sell you on it, which goes back to that communication. Or is it that I need to influence through sort of thing? Hey, here's the repercussions of that. I swing a big hammer sometimes in these organizations because we're the arbiter of, can you deploy that code or whatever the thing is? Do you have access to that thing? We frequently are a check and a balance. So it's important to, to make sure that you're thinking about, you know, what sort of capabilities do you have when it comes down to it about saying, we really need to do this, or you're going to be out of compliance and we're going to put you in a tame freeze or whatever the thing is, but then use that power for good. Don't use it for evil. Use that power for good and say to yourself, when the business needs you, when technology's trying to make a goal and deliver a new feature product. And they're just like, man, I need your help. We need to get this out. We're under a crunch. Like, how do you use that force for good and try to figure out, help them because the rising tide of uh, the organization will lift all the boats. Another thing working with multiple lines of business and even working over a, a geographically dispersed area is networking. And it's even necessary just to survive in this industry. 
How would you describe networking as a skill and why is it so important? I think it's interesting. A lot of different thoughts and definitions out there. I think for me, connecting with individuals, I think you hit the nail on the head, like internally and externally. Like a lot of folks think of networking as like, who are the peers in my industry and or who are my customers? And I, I network with them and work that way. I certainly think about that, whether it's trying to learn from others, whether it, I'm trying to connect for my own career growth or try to help the nonprofit that I'm a part of, as I think about trying to secure some donations there or what have you. But you bring up a great point in that internal side of things. I go back to learning and being able to navigate that org part. Like networking is part of that. And we'll tie back into the influence piece as well. You figure out from a, like a systems perspective, like how is this organized? How does this structurally work? But then functionally, how does it work as well? This, this could be two things. Person A is highly aligned with person B. And so they, they have this alliance you know, and they they collectively are going to have a certain amount of influence. How do you network with them? How do you work with them? How do you generate some goodwill with them so that when you need their system, you can ask for it. I think that's part of networking. It's not just, Hey, I know you, but it's, we have some sort of relationship. So I can say, Hey, I need your help on this project. Or when you come to me, you can say, Hey man, I need some help pushing this through. We've got a deadline, whatever. I think generating that rapport is so essential. It's not just knowing who to talk to. That's important, but it's knowing how they work and generating that goodwill so that it's a relationship that you have because you're all driving towards the same goal. Any other skills and competencies that you would think are important for cybersecurity leaders? I think just in general, I would say I would encourage folks to think outside the technical realm. It's something that we are so focused on. I myself thought I was going to be very technical for my whole career. And only after getting some experience in other areas, do I now have a perspective and a broader view of what might be, what could be, and I've gained all these other skills. I think even if you're going to say, Hey, nope, I'm going to stick with cyber or I'm going to stick with architecture, whatever it is, things outside of thing that you do, it's been a huge benefit to me and has opened my eyes to the rest of the world, helped me communicate with those folks, helped me network with those folks, and has helped me honestly to get where I'm at today. Nice. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time for joining us on this episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity Leadership. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.